Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. Welcome back, everyone. Brand new week of Rowdy Southern Saturday. It is time for SEC West grades. It is a beautiful Tuesday night. We are three weeks out now of college football. Only only three games left in the NFL season as well. So football is about to leave us before the XFL's long-awaited return comes in. How's everybody doing tonight, Matt? How's practice, buddy? Uh, it was good. You know, we're uh, preparing for some kind of heinous weather here in South Georgia or in North Georgia and across the entire state of Georgia, actually, because in South Georgia, it's supposed to be even worse than uh, up here. Uh, here's all of our Texans that are out there in, in southern Texas. I know Houston got hit with a, a nasty tornado. There's like snow. The weather is just gone on haywire right now, but uh, doing well. Watching some college hoops currently. Uh, why I continue to watch college hoops, I don't know. It's enjoyable. It's just you know, a nice way to unwind from the day. Uh, yeah. Wit, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Just excited for XFL season, uh, to be honest. But no, not at all. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just chugging along, working. Uh, I had to help out at a chicken convention today, uh, which I did not realize, but apparently chicken. Uh, it, it makes the world go round because it was a huge, huge convention. Uh, I've took up pretty much the entire Georgia World Congress Center, and uh, I was pretty taken aback. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, there was free open bars and all this kind of stuff, so I didn't drink a ton. I did have one beer um, right at the end of the day before I went home, um, and I also got a new truck today from my the company I work for. So things have been looking up for old Whit Barfield, at least for now. We'll see what happens the rest of the month. Tell you what, man, we can't all be as lucky as Whit Barfield. We we just can't. Some of us, some of us aren't that good. But I know one person who is better than Whit Barfield, and that is Nick Saban. Let's start with the grades, boys. Let's start with Alabama and the roll tide and the fight in Nick Saban's wit. Grade him. So for me, I think I mean you look at Alabama, I don't think they're a C, I don't think they're an A. I think you gotta go with a B. I said a B minus. I'm gonna put them just below a B. Because for me, Alabama came in with this expectation, or at least in my expectation, of making a national championship. Of course, Nick Saban wants to win one every year. Um, coming into the year, they were the number one team in the country. Brought a lot of talent back. Brought back Bryce Young, uh, Heisman winner last year. Um, and I think a lot of people were thinking that the defense would improve, which I think it did a little bit from 2021. And the receivers would improve, which they did not pretty much at all. Um, but for Alabama, they still went 10 and two, the two teams they lost to, they only lost by a combined four points. So it's not like they had a bad season. I mean, they were right there. I think if you stuck them in the playoff, it's hard to say that they could not have won. Um, and I'm not saying they would have, but they definitely could have competed against every team that was there. Uh, so it's hard to say that they had a really, really bad year, even though it was a down year for Nick Saban down year. Yeah. Down, down year for Alabama, maybe, but I mean, ten and two or eleven and two is still really solid. So, Alabama, I'll stick you with the B. Every time we mention down year, I love to bring it up to Matt because it's never really a down year when it's Alabama. No, no, it's not, and that's why I've still got to give Alabama an A minus, um, passing grade all the way around. And look, they lost two games, but it's by a combined total of four points on the road in extremely hostile environments against two teams who are very, very solid this year. Uh, you know, Alabama's 
two losses, combined four points from teams who combined to win 21 games this year just between themselves. Um, you know, not that, not obviously to the expectations of Alabama and Alabama fans. And obviously Nick Saban has a standard of let's win a national championship every year. And they've built up the dynasty that they are with championships and being in the playoff and, and being consistent year in and year out, year in and year out. And it was still a consistent year for Alabama. Double-digit win season, uh, you know, 11 wins total, went to a New Year's six game, absolutely stomped the Big 12 champion. You make the argument about whether Alabama should have been in the playoff over TCU or Michigan if you want. We're past that. We're moving on to 2023 football. But you, you can't, just because Alabama had a quote down here, you can't fail them. You can't give them anything less than an A when – they still went 11 and two. Bryce Year still Bryce Young still had a very good year. Um, getting rid of Bill O'Brien, I think, is only going to be beneficial, as it was announced today that he's going to the Patriots. So, what can you say? Yeah, Alabama had a down year, but he still went 11 and two. And frankly, they're a couple plays away from being undefeated. And who knows what would have happened if Alabama would have beat LSU and Tennessee? We don't know. More than likely, we would have seen Alabama Georgia in the national championship game. Again, so not to the Alabama standard per se, but it's still a minus. Very good year for Alabama, Matt. All right, so I'm going to give a little bit of analysis before I give an official letter grade because you've got to think about it from this this lens. All off season, even myself included, uh, I, I looked at last year's team and said last year was the rebuild year. It was year one of Bryce Young. There was no receivers that re – like, we, we had Jamison Williams that came in and stepped up and had an outstanding year. John Mechie stepped up, outstanding year. Both of those guys gone in the draft. Uh, Brian Robinson gone in the draft. Like, the, the – the, but the talent and the upside, especially on the defensive side of the ball, was all returning. And you had all of these young – highly recruited receivers and there was full of talent and the message that was coming from reporters out of Tuscaloosa was this was going to be Nick Saban's most talented team in his tenure at Alabama, more talented than the 2020 team. I mean, there was people talking about how this team was supposed to be better than 2020. And, and, you know, and, and if you look at that year, two Heisman finalists at quarterback and the Heisman winner at wide receiver, Najee Harris was on that team. I mean, the, the dudes that were on that team were unreal. And yet, on the defensive side, you've got Will Will Anderson. You've got Dallas Turner. Malachi Moore is supposed to have this massive bounce back year. And so, from this, if you look at it from the scope of what this was supposed to be for Alabama, I think you can't give them anything higher than a B because if you're telling me that mid like preseason – this is supposed to be Nick Saban's most talented team ever. And all, uh, you know, all of the hype that was around it, you know, the schedule was really tough. I assumed that there was going to be a hiccup somewhere, but I didn't know where, uh, just because it was a really rough stretch there, uh, for them to go undefeated, but it almost felt like, okay, yeah, you know, this is a, nat a national championship team that is coming into Alabama and they, and they never were that. Now, if you look at what they accomplished on the backside and you take away the preseason hype, obviously they are not anywhere near the most talented team that Nick Saban's ever had. Uh, there was no receiver that really stepped up. Jameer Gibbs had a phenomenal year, uh, but even the running back through overall was not at the Alabama standard. And I think a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line all season did not play up to up to par. And that was the one area that there was a question mark. It was like, well, we'll be good everywhere, but we don't know about the offensive line. Overall, I think when you look at the body of work and what actually happened, I would say Alabama's season was an A minus. Um, you know, take again, taking away the preseason hype, taking away all like what and just looking at what they did. I, I was pleased with what I saw most weeks, but again, I mean, you had the close, the close win at home against A&M with uh, obviously Jalen Milrow played that game. It was a backup, but um, 
just a close win against Ole Miss on the road. And it turned out that Ole Miss wasn't as good as we thought they were. So just very weird year for a very weird Alabama team who blew out Mississippi State whenever me and Witt went to that game, uh, even though they didn't cover the spread for him. Uh, you know, that was still rough. But I got to give Alabama overall I'm uh, like a B-plus because you're on one end – you didn't live up to the hype. But you're on the on the preseason side, which I so I give you a B for that, an A minus for the overall performance, and we round up with a B plus. That's what I've got to give Alabama, and you know a lot of question marks moving forward. Now, uh, two new coordinators are going to be coming in. A lot of toys to play with. Really high number one recruit class in the nation. We'll see how it goes next year. I want everybody to take note of the fact that. That might be the shortest I think I've ever heard Matt talk about Alabama in the entirety of the time that we've <laughs> ever been doing the show. And it'll be the longest that he talks tonight, though. I guarantee you that for sure. But we're going to move on, and we're going to fly on over to Fayetteville, Arkansas, up in the northwest corner of the natural state. A little bit of an uneven year for the Hogs. Go back to you, Matt. What do you grade Sam Pittman and the Hogs? So I'm going to give Sam Pittman and the Hogs a B-, minus because I'm not going to hold anything against uh, them for parts of the year because K.J. Jefferson was hurt. Uh, for a large portion of the season. Um, look, you you can't – I don't think you could be too harsh on Arkansas because in a lot of ways they didn't uphold everything that they were supposed to be this year, especially coming off of last season where they were a really good team overall and there was a lot of 9-3 and three talk this year. And in our preseason show, I, I, I said I didn't really see them being more than 7-5 or 8-4 uh, which is good for Arkansas. Uh, the problem that I think Sam Pittman's going to have moving forward is that, one, K.J. Jefferson is eventually going to leave. He's coming back next year. But, two, you're going to have to figure out a way to take that next step. Everybody was pleased with 75 and 8 and 4 seasons because they were just glad to not have Chad Morris anymore and be and not winning an SEC game. So for Sam Pittman, he's got that challenge looking forward. Um, but this year, I mean, just a very – I think you said it best. It was a very uneven year, but in a lot of instances, uneven because they weren't healthy. When K.J. Jefferson was not out there as a starting quarterback, Arkansas was a different team. K.J. Jefferson's out there. They blow out Ole Miss. Uh, I think with a healthy KJ Jefferson, they beat LSU. Um, they played they played good defense at times. Other times they were non-existent. It was just a very weird year. But I'm going to give them a B minus or a B. I mean, we'll, we'll call it somewhere in there. I mean, regardless, is it an 83 or an 86? It, it was just that kind of year, just not very solid all the way around. Yeah, Matt, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. I think I'm going to give them a C. Uh, for me. I know we talked, we did a little uh, preseason preview stuff before the season started. I had Arkansas winning 10 games this year. I thought they were going to go 10-3 and three, um, after winning their bowl game, and they did not do that. They were 6-6. Six and six. They won in double overtime uh, in their bowl game against Kansas in a phenomenal, phenomenal game uh, where they blew a lead but ended up winning. Um, and so I think they had a rough year. I know KJ Jefferson was hurt, uh, which is why I don't give them an F or a D. Um, because they were still a good football team. I mean, they were just super inconsistent. They had some good wins. They had some really bad losses, like the loss to Liberty. Um, I still think Sam Pittman's a really good coach. I mean, 6-6 six and six being a bad year for Arkansas says all you need to about the program, because typically just making a bowl game is good enough for Arkansas. So they're, they're in a good spot. The program's going to continue to move forward. They're number seven right now in the transfer portal rankings in terms of teams. Um, they've lost a lot of really good guys, but they have brought in a lot of really good guys as well to uh, take the spot of the guys that are leaving. So bringing back KJ Jefferson, they're going to have a good season. They're a good team. The receiving core comes back. I think they'll have a good year next year, um, but six and six with the way they were two years ago and what they had coming into this year. I, that's, that's a, that's a C effort to me. So C for Arkansas. Yeah. What about you? So I'm kind of going to agree with both of you guys a little bit and try to try to find a good middle ground. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a C plus like borderline C plus B minus like 79.3, but they weren't good enough to really just get to that B because they were so uneven. 
And, and like you guys have said, the health of K.J. Jefferson was extremely vital to this football team. Um, when he was not healthy, you could see it on the field. There was just a complete difference in the way that that offense operated and what Kendall Browse was able to get his offense to do. Uh, you know, it, it was just – it was uneven all around. And even some games like the last game of the year when they lost to Missouri on the road, kind of an inexplicable loss when K.J. Jefferson only threw seven incompletions all game and he played the whole game. You know, and again, I know that K.J. Jefferson wasn't really super healthy all year, but, man, you can't lose to Missouri. Not with the way Missouri is just so flat right now like we talked about last week. They've got a little momentum going in their program in Fayetteville. You can't take steps backwards like that and lose to Missouri with the progress that Sam Pittman has made in the last couple of years. Now, my biggest concern for Arkansas, and it doesn't really factor into the grade of the team this year, but my biggest concern for Arkansas going forward is the internal problems that they have. It's no secret if you pay enough attention that Sam Pittman's coaching staff was not exactly thrilled, and you see that with Kendall Browse leaving to go to TCU to be the offense coordinator. A very lateral move on the surface there. Uh, Barry Odom, the defense coordinator and former head coach at Missouri, now the head coach at UNLV. He's out in Las Vegas. So you lost both your coordinators. Um, and, a, and a lot of guys transferring out. Now, they do have the number number seven transfer portal class, like Witt just said. But a lot of guys are also gone. You do have K.J. Jefferson coming back. And if K.J. Jefferson stays healthy, this is a solid 8-9 win football team including a bowl game, I think, next year. They have the talent. I think Sam Pittman has the culture. And, and they're far, far removed from Chad Morris era. And I almost start to wonder if KJ doesn't stay healthy, what you have to start looking at with that strength and conditioning staff at Arkansas and player development and player health. And you kind of maybe start calling into question Sam Pittman's seat a little bit. I mean, he raised the bar really fast in two short years at Arkansas. And I'm not saying to fire the guy if he doesn't win nine games next year. But you kind of have to start to wonder, what is our expectation at Arkansas? What direction are we heading in with how uneven this year was? Like I said, a lot of that has to do with health. But they almost they almost blew the bowl game. That was rough. Losing to Liberty. I mean, Texas A&M, kind of an inexcusable loss. They got pounded by Mississippi State as well. But then also there was the bright side of things. When you look at their first – two weeks of the season. They beat Cincinnati, team that went to playoff the year before in week one, and they beat South Carolina, who ended up being a very solid football team. Uh, you know, beat BYU on the road, tough environment to play in. So very uneven, not very healthy. Like I said, curious to see how they bounce back with two new coordinators this year. C-plus for the Razorbacks in 2022. And so, from the – so Go ahead, before, before we move on from that, Chad, I, I, I want to ask you all a question because I know what I think personally. If you're doing a rankings of SEC West jobs, one to seven, where does Arkansas fall on it? Because you kind of you pose that question of like figuring out where Arkansas's expectations are. One to seven, SEC West head coaching jobs, they're all open right now. Where does Arkansas fall for you? Six. Uh, I actually agree. I think it's six. It's, it's six or six. seven for sure. I think okay, it's yeah, six. I, six is six is where I would have it. I would have I had Bama, State. I yeah. would say I would say Bama's one. Yep. Uh two, you LSU's can I, two. you can make the argument for A and M or L S U. I would say LSU for sure. LSU okay, and then A and M, then Auburn. And then and then A and M would be three, Auburn four, Ole Miss, Ole Miss five, yep. Arkansas, Arkansas six, six, Mississippi, State, Mississippi State, seven. State seven. I agree. So yeah, I mean like so if you're if you're Arkansas, who's the hand raised guy in that room whenever they're having that conversation that says, you know, yeah, we don't like going six and six and seven and five, but you know, I don't know. I just wanted to pose that question. Yeah. I'm glad I'm actually really glad that we all like pretty much permanently agreed with all seven of those. That might be the first time I think we've all like ever collectively done that with like no disagreement at all. I feel like we couldn't do that with the East. I will say the one that I might would argue, and not to jump down a rabbit hole because it completely separate what we're talking about. Um, I, the only one I would argue is maybe saying Auburn over A&M, but I feel like right now A&M is a better job than Auburn, just with what Resources. they're putting into the program. Yeah, 
That's that's what I, mean, yeah. I think you can. I think you could make the argument that A and M's a better job right now, resource wise and everything, than LSU. Yeah, I agree with that. Right now, so like, right now, historically, yeah, I say exactly. Auburn, like, we're, Auburn we're, like, don't, them. don't yeah. look, don't look at history. Yeah, don't yeah, look at I'm anything else. Like if there's a, if you were ranking the jobs and what they could be in potential wise, I would say, I mean, you have the argument that A yeah. and M could be the second best job in the West. If we're talking about, I'm sorry, but if we're talking about resources and overall resources and money, I might put A and M as the best job in the country. In resources for the money that's going to be back behind you and the and everything that the desire of the people that that pull the strings there that might be the best job because if the right guy comes in I'm telling you they could be unstoppable they could be unstoppable I don't think Jimbo is that guy but you know what while we're at it let, let, screw it I'm not going in alphabetical order anymore Matt Texas A&M 2022 that is easy this is an F I mean you you come off of a season where you have every bit of momentum on your side. The highest rated recruiting class of all time. Seven five stars. I mean, just all sorts of talent all over the field at every position, defense, on offense, everywhere. Skill positions, quarterback. I mean, everywhere, literally everywhere, there was a five star, it felt like. And yet, you fail to make a bowl game. You lose to Appalachian State at home. You fail to make a bowl game. Quite frankly, they beat Arkansas because Arkansas missed a field goal at the end of the game. They missed, like it was a it was a walk off field goal and he shanked it. So it, they they win that game by two. And that's basically a home game because they play that at Jerry World every year. And I mean that that's easier for. I mean I, I just I don't love that they do that personally. But come on, you're playing it in the state of Texas. Let that be a home and home. But to get off of that Zobox, you cannot have the momentum and the hype and the contract that Jimbo Fisher has and do anything less than in than last year being nine and three. I thought nine and three would have been fair. No, because I thought LSU was going to be improved. Uh you know. Arkansas was supposed to be decent. Alabama, you know, was going to be the the game that everybody circled. I just don't you, – you can't do it. It's a complete F. Fail, fail, fail. And and I think what makes it worse is that the, 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 the Jimbo's contract is so expensive to buy out of that even oil money is like, eh, I don't think we should – you know, give $88 million just to buy this guy out. Like we can't afford to do that yet. Unreal right now where A&M is, is a scary place to be complete F on the season. Bobby Petrino gets hired as their offensive coordinator. And I really think that that's a very boomer bust hire. Uh, and he's not going to do anything. He's not gonna, there to be a yes, man. He's there to be the offensive coordinator. Little risque on Jimbo's part, but it also seems desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. F for A and M. I think this is a really easy grade. Wit. Yeah, F, F, F minus. If you could do that. Um, if there's anything below an F, if I could do an E or maybe a maybe an F, a G, um, I'm doing that because that that's it's terrible. I mean, A and M was a team in my uh, in my rankings. I had them going nine and three, I believe, uh, maybe even ten and three with a ball win. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they were supposed to have a really good year. They were supposed to challenge Alabama for the West, and uh, and they were supposed to, in Desmond Howard's terms, make the playoff. Uh, I think they were supposed to be the <laughs> national championship. So, they, I mean, they were awful. I mean, they had the number one recruiting class of all time last year, like Matt said. This offseason, they now have 27 players that have entered the transfer portal. That is absolutely absurd. Seven of those guys are from that class last year. None of them are below a four-star, and two of them are five-stars. That that is terrible. Jimbo Fisher has literally they, he rose them to the top of where they needed to be. Got got all the potential, brought it all the way up, and then just completely floundered. Um, it it, it it's honestly embarrassing. It I feel bad for Texas A and M fans, but I really don't because they're really culty. But I do feel bad for that fan base because of how terrible that things have been for them. Um, and I don't see it getting any better. I know Bobby Petrino. I think that's an okay hire. Um, I'm curious to see how he does. He's, he's a smart football mind. He knows offense. He, he'll probably do okay. 
Um, he still has good players. I mean, they, they're really talented, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think guys have just given up on Jimbo. The buyout's too big. I think at this point, I think Jimbo's okay with waiting to see if those oil rig money people will actually throw the money to pay him, and he could just go live on an island somewhere and forget about football forever. So A and M F minus 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 minus. Chad, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, can I put more minuses onto your F? Wit. Absolutely. Like, do you have any more? That- do you have any more that you can hand yeah, out for un- me? Unlimited uh, minuses. Infinity minuses yeah. is what we will say. In, in, infinity war type minuses. Uh, Thanos snaps his fingers and gives us all the Fs in the world to to give to Jimbo Fisher. Right now, the only difference between Jimbo Fisher and Kevin Sumlin is the fact that they gave Jimbo Fisher a 10-year $75 million, or what, $95, $75 million contract? I don't know. A 10-year contract with, with the numbers, I don't remember, but a ridiculous amount of money. They gave him a plaque. You guys remember this when they gave Jimbo Fisher a plaque when he was hired that said Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, 20 blank blank college football playoff national champions. God, we're we're far from that, aren't we? Horrible. And it all starts with the offense. It all starts with the offense, and that's Jimbo's forte. He calls the plays. Haynes King was their starting quarterback all year. I'm sorry. That kid was atrocious atrocious Terrible. and when max johnson yeah and, and when max johnson came in it was no better it was no better and it, and it makes me wonder i think these are talented kids if you gave me a choice and said here's max johnson and haynes king and said run an offense that could do something with them i think i could i think i could get more out of them than i could probably get out of somebody like kellen mond who used to be there because i thought he was extremely overhyped but God, this is all on Jimbo. This is all on Jimbo. And I'm telling you, if they get five games into the season next year and he's three and two, even two and three, three and two, I think he's gone. I don't think they're going to sit on that buyout anymore. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I do wonder if Jimbo is even still connected. Is Jimbo even still locked in? I don't think their locker room is. That's for sure. You had the number one recruiting class ever. And half those kids are gone. 27, like Witt said, kids in the portal. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. You lost to App State. You could barely had anybody left in your stadium in the second to last game of the year. And I can't even remember who they played. I have to look at it. But it wasn't anybody good. And it, it was UMass. It was UMass. Like, for a second there. You know, it didn't look like they were going to run away from from the Minutemen. So, it just horrid, horrid season for Texas A&M. The Bobby Petrino thing, he's a great offensive mind. Um, You know, I don't know how well Jimbo and Petrino's egos are going to work together, especially when you have two guys that have been in in the game for that long and have had the success that they've had. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. I think it was a move that Jimbo needed to make. But I don't, I don't know how well those personalities are going to mesh. Um, just as long as he keeps Bobby Petrino away from the volleyball team and motorcycles, it might be okay. But infinity amount of Fs across the board for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. So, I, yeah, there's nothing else to say. What a horrible year in College Station. But let's get out of Texas. Let's roll on over to Mississippi. A little bit of a sad one here. But start us out, Matt, Mississippi State. Man, it it's really hard to grade this one because of all the emotion that really came in towards the at the end of this at the end of the year, um, with with Mike Leach passing. But taking that out of it and just looking at the season that they had, I think you gotta give Mississippi State a B. Um and, you know, a conversation that is happening, at least within the state of Mississippi, uh, midway through the season was, well, if if Mike Leach doesn't beat Lane Kiffin this year, what does Mississippi State do? And because that would have been three consecutive years of, of losing the Egg Bowl. And uh, obviously the way that everything turned out, turned out all right for Mississippi State. But Mississippi State just 
to me was a very a very weird team because they won games but it wasn't always pretty like for example they they beat auburn and granted cadillac had tried to conjure up all the black magic that he could against against auburn um but they and they almost they almost gave that game away they lost they they lost they won that game by six uh just didn't see them being consistent like the game against alabama they score the touchdown at the end of the game with literally as time was expiring. Like they ran a, a quick play to score a touchdown and they didn't even get a chance to kick the extra point because it was a moot point. Um, so I got to give Mississippi State a B. Um, they absolutely shellacked Arkansas, but Arkansas didn't have KJ Jefferson uh, that game. He, that was the first game he was hurt. And that's whenever I realized, okay, Arkansas is a different team without KJ Jefferson. And then Mississippi State, just as a whole, you know, they were very B. They were very average, right on par with what I thought they should be this year uh, with a win in the Egg Bowl that I didn't think they should get. So Mississippi State, B. So I'm actually going to give Mississippi State an A. Um, I had them pretty low to start the year um, when I was doing my preview. To be honest, I honestly don't think I looked into them enough. Um, I did some research, you know, I did my due diligence, but – there's a lot that I miss in terms of guys coming back. They, uh, I had them going five and seven. Um, I thought four and eight was a pretty good possibility as well. I thought they were the worst team in the SEC West, and uh, and they ended up doing a lot better. I mean, they ended up nine and four. Uh, they had some really good wins. I mean, the teams they lost to Georgia, Alabama, LSU, all three of those teams, up until after the SEC championship, were top ten teams. So I mean, solid, solid teams. I mean, the fourth team was Kentucky. And uh, that was when Kentucky was 5-2, and two, ranked in the top 25, and at full strength. So all their losses were good losses. They uh, they, they just couldn't pull it together for the entire season. Uh, I mean, 8-4, and four, went, went in the bowl game after losing Mike Leach uh, against Illinois. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. I mean, they were went away from having a 10-win season, which for Mississippi State is, is unbelievable. So I think in terms of their expectations, in terms of what Starkville needs every single year, um, like what Dan Mullen was giving them when he was there, that this is absolutely an A. Um, hopefully, you know, they could build upon this, see what they can do um, post Mike Leach. Um, but but we'll see what happens. But for this season, definitely an A. Chad, what do you think? Every bit of emotion I have in my body tells me to just give Mississippi State an A-plus and a hug and just pat them on the head and say, it's going to be all right. We all love you. But can't do that. Uh, and realistically, I, I have to agree with Wit. I got to give him a B. Um, their four losses were, other than maybe, other than maybe Kentucky, I would have probably switched out Kentucky and Ole Miss in the preseason, and still probably had Mississippi State at, at eight and four. And this was a typical Mike Leach year. You know, they they gave you some surprises. They won the games that. They were supposed to win and maybe got one along the way that, you know, you didn't think they were going to get, like Arkansas, for example. Of course, like we said, K.J. Jefferson, not healthy in that game. But still, I mean, they splattered Arkansas all over Starkville. And then they lose to Kentucky, and you kind of think, well, where did that come from? But other than that, they took care of business when they were supposed to take care of business, won the Egg Bowl. Um, I I love the fact that the Egg Bowl – was Mike Leach's last win before he tragically left us. Uh, you know, as much as I, as much as I have a soft spot in my heart for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, the fact that that was Mike Leach's last win is, is awesome to me. And that, that will be the last memory that we have of him. But I mean, overall, I, I think Will Rogers has a lot of potential there with Will Rogers. I think this was a very talented roster. Um, you know, Ra Ra was, you know, before he transferred to Georgia and, got in trouble this week was was a huge part uh, of that offense and I don't think their defense was really that bad which is really surprising for a Mike Leach team and now with Zach Arnett in charge I think we're going to see a shift from offense being the forefront of Mississippi State to defense being at the forefront of Mississippi State Um, they've got talent it's it's not a terrible job it really isn't 
it, you know, I know we just said it's the seventh worst job in the West out of all seven, but at the same time, it, it's really not a horrible job because at the end of the day, it, if you do what Dan Mullen did and set a standard of seven and five, eight and four, and then surprise everybody and have a nine and three year and float around the top 25 and, and contend for egg bowl wins, you'll, you'll sit comfortably in that job. And I think Mike Leach did what he needed to do this year and, and, and got Mississippi state eight wins and an egg bowl. And that's all you can ask for in Starkville. Got to give him a B though. Cause that's, that's about what it is. I mean, it's just, it, it's right where you need to be 85, you know, like right there in 85, nothing wrong with it, but nothing outstanding. You know, it, it Mississippi state standard, if, in my personal opinion. So, you know, B, B for the Bulldogs. Let's, let's go ahead and stay in the state of Mississippi with all this egg bowl talk, Matt. Tell us about your alma mater's year at Ole Miss. So Ole Miss, look, I, I think when you look at the schedule, it tells more of the story than than the record. Um, going into the year, I said Ole Miss eight and four, nine and three would be like where their ceiling was, uh, and I think a lot of Ole Miss fans were expecting a little another nine, a nine or ten win season, and I thought nine was very possible, and I still think. I still think it could have been. Now, when you look at Ole Miss's season, there's storylines that build into it. So, if you look at the beginning, they're seven and zero with a win over Kentucky, who and that was a top ten matchup. Whenever it happened in uh, in in Oxford, and so looking back at that time, you're sitting there thinking, "Oh man, like Ole Miss is seven and zero." going into Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with a chance to really make a mark. And they got thumped by LSU on the road. And they were actually up in that game 17-3 to at one point, and people forget that. And they were actually going to – they were down 2017 with the ball inside the 10-yard line and a chance to take the lead, and Jackson Dart throws the pick, and that's when the game flipped on its head. But then you still are like, all right, well, 7-1 and is still good. They win their next game. They're now 8-1. and they beat, they beat A&M back on track eight and one and then they lose to arkansas they lose and i mean and that was not just a loss that was a shellacking well they before that they lose to alabama in a heartbreaker for ole miss i mean they had the ball inside the 20 terrible play calling terrible play execution comes down to fourth down they lose by six to alabama then the auburn rumors come out and lane kiffin is he going to Auburn? He never shoots it down. They go to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and get absolutely dumped. Fast forward a week. Still hasn't de- denied the rumors. Sokoloff puts out his tweets, and then the night before the Egg Bowl, it comes out that Lane Kiffin's leaning towards staying. And he finally tells the team that the night before the Egg Bowl, and they come out very uninspired in a sloppy game, and they lose. They go 8-4. and four. Auburn rumors get put to bed, and then they get absolutely obliterated in a bowl game by a very mediocre Texas Tech team. Me, this is a very B minus year for for Ole Miss. I what they could have been and what they were, what I expect them to be is exactly what they were. I thought they'd be eight and four, nine and three. That's what they were. But it's the way that they got there that I think changes the narrative a little bit. So that's what takes them down from that B to a B minus. And, you know, I'm going to be a little bit critical of, of Ole Miss moving forward. Uh, Lane Kiffin's got to do a better job of building that roster and doing roster management because there's a lot of turnover this year. Uh, a lot of guys transferring out, and he's right back in the transfer portal trying to bring guys in. Personally, I think that that's dangerous water to tread in if you're if you're a Power 5 SEC program. Uh, I think Ole Miss has changed the narrative around their program as a whole. Because eight and four is not not acceptable anymore, and I think that that's a great great direction to go. Um, but I'm going to give Ole Miss a B minus. Wit. I mean, honestly, if, if this was Ole Miss's season up until the uh, the Alabama game, I I think it's an A. I mean, they had a phenomenal year. They way outperformed the expectation I had for them. Uh, but ending up eight and four, that's 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 B minus level to me. Um, possibly teetering on C. Um, Ole Miss to me, 
Lane Kiffin has them in the expectation where they need to be competing for the SEC West. I mean, they're right there with, with Alabama every year, at least in play, like on the field. They're they're ten and two. They're nine and three. They're pushing for it. Um, they made it to the Sugar Bowl last year. They lost after Matt Corral obviously got hurt. This year, losing to Texas Tech like they did at the end of the year, they struggled down the stretch. Texas Tech, Mississippi State, um, Alabama, obviously they played really well. They had a chance to win the game. Um, but after that, it looks like everybody just gave up. Like It, it honestly felt very Dan Mullen, Florida-ish to me. Um, and I'm not saying I, don't, I think that's what's going to happen. I still like Lane Kiffin. I still think Ole Miss is on the right trajectory. But for this season in general, um, it's got to be a B for me. I can't see it being higher than that. So, Chad, what do you think? Such a such a weird year and a tale of two seasons for Ole Miss, especially when you look at the four of the last five games of the season. You know, uh, like you said, I think with the way they started out, they started out seven and zero, a lot of momentum, and it, they did have an easy schedule. Now, granted, their, their schedule was a cakewalk, basically to start the season, but if you degraded them, if you degraded them, then I think you would have given them an A. For the last half of the year, and you got to give them a D for the way they finished out the rest of the season. It's just, I was not expecting them to get shellacked by Arkansas. Didn't expect it. Not with how uneven Arkansas season had been to that point. The Alabama loss, that's forgivable. That's that's very forgivable. Uh, the LSU loss getting dominated like that, I think there's variables to that. I mean, that was a road game, but at the same time, you're supposed to be competing for the West with Lane Kiffin at the helm. And LSU, who won the West this year, looked like they were miles ahead of you down the road, and they were just leaving you in the distance, and you were watching them disappear out of your front windshield. That's how that game looked. And then the just the last three games, when the Auburn rumors started after the Alabama game, that's just – that's rough, man. That That is rough, a rough way to end the year, but – at the same time, there's a part of me who looks back historically on Ole Miss and looks at an eight and four season and goes, we, you know, other than last year and maybe a year or two under Hugh Freeze, where's my expectation of Ole Miss to do better than that? You know, historically, if I were to give Lane Kiffin the, a grade for what he's done at Ole Miss in three years, I'm giving him an A. Like you know, and it, it kind of transcended the way, like the way it did through the first half of the season, because he's doing things at Old Miss and getting resources conjured up at Old Miss that we haven't seen ever in the history of Old Miss football. So, I think there's a part of me that still has to give Old Miss a, a B because of their history and and the expectation at Old Miss in the past. Now it's changing, and that's great because I think Old Miss can be a special place, but. Until Ole Miss finally does break that ceiling, you can't you can't be angry with eight wins in Oxford, Mississippi. Just like you can't be mad with eight wins in Starkville, Mississippi. Those two schools have historically been kind of right there side by side. Ole Miss pretty Ole Miss ahead of Mississippi State a little bit because there were some dark years in Mississippi State football. But I'm gonna give them a B. The way they ended the season was was horrific, but. And Witt made a great point. It reminded me a lot of 2020 Florida. But they that's a lot to try to play for, especially with all that uncertainty surrounding your program. And I fault Lane Kiffin for not handling that better as well. But got to give him a B. They need, they need to figure out the quarterback room in the spring. That's priority number one. And that's going to be a huge thing to watch during the spring in these storylines. And I'm sure we'll talk about them. But that's got to be priority number one going into this offseason for a team that just went eight and five. From Mississippi to the team that won the West in the state of Louisiana, Matt, grade Brian Kelly's first year at LSU. I mean, I've got to give Brian Kelly an, an A. I mean, a straight up A. I'm, I, I would even venture to say an A+. Plus. I mean, where Ed Orgeron left that team, I mean, the, the talent was there. And and that was where in our preseason discussion I said I think LSU is going to have a really good year. I said they'd be eight and four. Uh, now and and I had originally thought that they would be one of Ole Miss's losses um, th- this year because that game was in Baton Rouge and just the way that Tiger Stadium can get. 
But I saw the talent that was there with Ed Orgeron and thought, my God, if they just had somebody that could come in and develop it and create a culture and an environment where they were on, there was structure that they would be scary. And, and boy, did Brian Kelly come in and do that right away. Um, I've got to give him an A plus because, you know, for, if you take out what, what LSU desires to be and traditionally is, I mean, there is shanked extra poor blocked extra point away from potentially only having the, that Florida state game, not as a loss and, and starting the year off at one and oh, and I mean, you, you, you never know what happens in overtime there, but, but I mean, Florida state, blew that they I, I thought blew that lead and then it turns out that Florida State it turned out to be a pretty darn good team and you know LSU in year one under Brian Kelly uh phenomenal year they obviously got blown out at home by Tennessee but I mean, we're talking about Tennessee that had a historic season this year so uh that that to me is their only dud game and then the SEC championship where they got beat by a really good Georgia team uh so I'd venture to say a great Georgia team. Uh, so yeah, you know, a plus for Brian Kelly in year one, uh, the pressure is on and look, the sec West didn't get any easier. Yeah. I'm saying a, um, teetering on a plus for sure. Uh, they did way better than anybody expected LSU to do this year. Um, I'd say they're at least ahead a year ahead of schedule. Um, they're doing really well in the transfer portal. Once again, this season, um, Brian Kelly did really well in recruiting as well. Um, he's he's building something pretty good at LSU. Um, I mean, I, I still think he's a step below Alabama, obviously. Um, SEC West is going to be really tough. A lot of teams are teetering up, so they, they got a long way to go. But like Matt said, I mean, their losses this year weren't bad at all. They got the win over Alabama. Brian Kelly's first win over Alabama, his first year at LSU, um, at home in Death Valley. Uh, if he could do it again next year, I think things will be special. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm saying LSU and A, and uh, and I think they have a really good chance to build upon that. I'm right there with you guys. I gotta give, I can't give Brian Kelly an A plus, but I gotta give him an A. Uh, the only reason I'm not giving him an A plus is because four losses is still four losses. Now, granted, you know, losing to Georgia the way they lost to Georgia, I, I can't be mad at him for it. Losing to Florida State in the beginning of the year, a missed extra point, you know. It is what it is. You can kind of be kind of tinker with things like that and kind of form your own opinions here and there. But that's a great year for Brian Kelly, man. It, you know, really blew away my expectations of what I had for LSU in year one. Was not at all expecting Brian Kelly to come in and have that immediate success, especially with like Matt said, the way that the way that that was left by Ed Orgeron. You know, for him, it was a mess. It was a complete mess and. He, he somehow managed to win the West and get double-digit wins. Absolutely murdered. I mean, it should have been – it should be illegal what they did to Purdue in the bowl game. But great year for Brian Kelly. We'll see if he can sustain it. Um, but overall, not an A-plus because, like I said, four losses is four losses, and they got smoked by Tennessee at home. Let's not forget about that. So A for Brian Kelly, great year for Jaden Daniels as well. And – you know, they, they they should be right there. They continue to recruit well. They should be right there. But let's finish it off from Louisiana to the plains of Auburn. Matt, I know you love the War Eagles. I'm going to say something nice about Auburn, and that's not that I, that's that I'm not giving them an F. I'm giving them a D. And I'm only giving them a D because Cadillac Williams came in and saved them from being a, like a complete disaster. Uh, he at least gave them some hope. And then – my God, though, they are such a cult. Like, he made it so culty. Like, they, they, the family thing, and just, God, it's disgusting. Uh, giving them a D. They, they didn't have a good year. They were five and seven. To take this opportunity to say that I feel like Brian Harson was not given an affair shake, uh, from the jump at Auburn and that he is a decent football coach and that Auburn did him dirty. Uh, because he never should have gotten that job to begin with. And the fact that they didn't like that, they wouldn't give him any NIL money. They didn't let him touch anything. They it hurt recruiting. It was, it was rough. Uh, D for Auburn with 
So I have a couple of different grades for Auburn. Uh, I kind of broke it down. So if we're talking entire season from start to finish, no, nothing to do with anything off the field, just on the football field, I give them a D. I'm with Matt. Five and seven is not good. Auburn is some is a program who should expect to be competing for the SEC West um, and for national championships, or at least you know be in the discussion every year, um, or at the very least finish in the top twenty five. Um, five and seven is very bad for them. I don't think Brian Harson was a good coach. I don't think he's terrible. Uh, I think he got more of a bad rep than he deserved. Um, and I, I agree with you guys. I don't think he had a chance. Um, I don't think Auburn gave him a chance when he came over from Boise state, but I, I, I still don't think he was the guy. I think they made the right decision in hiring Hugh freeze. Um, and I think, I mean, the time when Harson was there, up until Cadillac took over, and that's, I mean, it was an F. I mean, it was really bad. They were not doing well. They had a couple games where they played decent. I mean, like against Missouri, you know, they they played well and they won that game, even though Missouri shouldn't have given up that game, but they did. Um, and once Cadillac took over, they completely turned it around. I say for that part of the season, that they got a B. I mean, they turned it around. They did really well. Um, Cadillac, who I think they made the right decision not hiring him as the head coach, he sparked something in them and sparked something in the fan base and got them super excited to where when they were bringing in Hugh Freeze, the whole fan base is like, all right, this, you know, let's let's get back into it. Let's see what happens. So um, all in all, D for Auburn for the season. I say with everything else going on, B for, you know, the year at least. With hiring Hugh Freeze, excitement at the end of the year, turning it around a couple last couple games. Um, but definitely, definitely not where they need to be. Chad, what do you think? So I'm actually going to give Auburn a C minus. I, I can't give them a D, and I think I'm incorporating the hire of Hugh Freeze because I consider that to be a part of the 2022 year. Hugh Freeze was hired in the 2022 football season before, obviously, the national championship, and we moved on. So I'm incorporating that in there. And, and like you said, I'm incorporating what Cadillac Williams kind of interjected into that program as well. They played tough against Mississippi State, you know, they, they beat Western Kentucky, and I'm going to be honest, they I did not think with the way that that football team looked that they would handle their business against Western Kentucky, even though it is Western Kentucky. You, you just didn't know. With, a, with the year that Auburn had, you really didn't know if they were going to win games like that, especially after just the disaster that was the off-the-field stuff. You know, so much of this year for Auburn was more about off-the-field than on the field. And I completely agree with Matt. I've said it before. I think Brian Harson's a good football coach. You look at his record at Boise State, he sustained everything that Chris Peterson left him. You don't do that by mistake. You don't do that by being a bad football coach. Brian Harson is not a bad football coach. Brian Harson was just never given a fair deal from the moment he was hired at Auburn. And that's not on him. That's on Auburn. And so that aspect of it, if I was just grading Auburn off the field this year, it's an F because of all the nonsense that surrounded that program and, and things that they tried on Brian Harson last year in the offseason. It's just horrible stuff off the field. On the field, though, like I said, they back half of the year is enough for me to give them a C minus because Cadillac Williams interjected life into that program. I agree with Witt. I don't think Cadillac should have been hired. I think Q Freeze, we all said it. Hugh Freeze is who they should have gotten. It's who they should have gotten. He's perfect. He is absolutely perfect for Auburn. I think you'll see an immediate difference this year. Um, but C minus, C minus for for the Tigers. I think things are going to turn. We'll see how Robbie Ashford does. You know, in Hugh Freeze's system, should be fun to watch. I, I really do. I think Auburn's going to be a far, far more competitive team this year. Um, and I'm also going to pass them for the fact that they somehow got a league win. Let's not forget, guys, they beat Missouri. And tr try to figure that one out. That was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my entire life. And it went to overtime. It, it, it was awful. The, the, shank, the shanked field goal and, and then the, the touchback that slips out of his hands to end the game it says more about Missouri than, than it says about Auburn. And Missouri went to a bowl game. And I gave them a D, and I'm giving Auburn a C for missing a bowl game. So, C minus for Auburn. All right, well, that wraps up our grades for the SEC West for 2022. Let's move on to our last segment. 
Pour one out, cut them off. Matt, who you pour one out for this week, bud? So this week, I got to pour one out for the Jacksonville Jaguars season. It has officially come to a close, uh, but shout out to them. Won a playoff game. Went from three and seven to winning the division at nine and eight. Uh, and then winning the first round of the playoffs and the, the super wild card weekend, and then actually playing one of the only competitive games of the weekend, uh, this past weekend against the Chiefs on the road. It was, uh, the, the obviously Mahomes wasn't 100%, and I think that that helped a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I got to pour one out for Doug Peterson and the job that he did this year, uh, taking a team that honestly was a, a roster that had a little bit of talent but the way that he developed trevor lawrence this year the way that uh trevor re- rebounded after some ugly losses against some bad teams like denver and then the way that the whole team kind of came out and just rallied and played together it was it was a lot of fun uh i don't think i've ever said this on this uh, in the in the life of rowdy of atk or rowdy southern saturday but man it was a good year to be a Jags fan, uh, and and it, that doesn't get to be said often. So got to pour one out for the Jags uh, one more time this year because it was a fun year, fun season to watch the NFL. And I am cutting off Oklahoma and Alabama fans. And here's why. There seems to be this massive debate on Twitter between Oklahoma and Alabama fans about who, who – Jalen Hurts can be claimed by and Oklahoma fans are like well who was he whenever it was announced that he was drafted what college did they say he was drafted by and Alabama fans are clapping back and being like yeah but and then all the Oklahoma fans are like oh well Ohio State doesn't claim Joe Burrow and and uh Justin Fields doesn't claim UGA and UGA doesn't claim Justin Fields um look I'm gonna be the voice of reason for these two groups okay Oklahoma fans, Jalen Hurts played three years at Alabama, two years as the starter. In both of those seasons, he led Alabama to the national championship. Now, in the first season, they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Clemson. In the second season, he was benched at halftime and Tua Tungavaloa uh, won the game. In his third season, he was the backup who came into the SEC championship game at halftime and defeated Georgia when Tua got hurt. It was a like a, a hero's tale. And he actually got to play in that national championship as well while we were, you know, getting our butts kicked by Clemson. So in three years of being a quarterback at Alabama, Jalen Hurts played in three national championships uh, and won a title there. Obviously, he wasn't the quarterback that made the throw, but he got a ring. All the same, he was just as important to that team. Now, on the other hand, would Jalen Hurts have been as high of a pick had he not gone and been developed a little bit by Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? I don't think so. I think it was the right choice. Nick Saban's the one that told him to go to Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts is a different case than any other quarterback. He's the first of his kind. No other fan base or player in the NFL has ever had the opportunity for this. So this is different than anybody else, all right? You can't make a comparison. Jalen Hurts is the first quarterback to have two schools that he made a significant impact for. Uh, he took Oklahoma to the playoffs as well. Why can we both not claim him? He can be a quarterback that, that played at both universities. No, he it's cannot. Fine. He's an Oklahoma quarterback. I know what we're talking about. Is that what we're talking about? It is what we're talking about. Wick gets back from his phone call. Just to, to, I knew I knew that'd be brought up today too. It's been all over social media. I've done my best not to be an, an a-hole. So I I'm cutting off both fan bases because he is a quarterback for both schools. It just he just is. Like he is more is the only he played in three national championships for Alabama. He played in a playoff game for Oklahoma. It goes both ways. You can't – like, he's different than any other transfer quarterback. Joe Burrow didn't play any significant snaps at Ohio State. Justin Fields didn't play any significant snaps at UGA other than the fourth and ten that they put him in for the fake punt. That was stupid. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts won the game for Alabama right after that happened. 
there were no like he's a different it's a different thing though this has never been done before it's never happened for any other quarterback he could be claimed by both fan bases he is a quarterback of Alabama. He's a quarterback of Oklahoma. He smoked a cigar after the Tennessee win while he was the quarterback at Oklahoma and put it on Instagram. He wears his Alabama football undershirts under his Eagles jerseys. He loves Alabama. He loves Oklahoma. He re- appreciates everything that happened for both schools. Let him be both. So I'm going to start by pouring one out for Matt because I actually agree with you. Um, I was thinking <laughs> that early. I know I just said it. he's an Oklahoma quarterback. But he's actually kind of right. I mean, he played for Oklahoma or he played for Alabama for three years. He played in three national championships. Uh, To me, he's kind of like Russell Wilson where, you know, Russell Wilson played at NC State and then he flipped over to um, Wisconsin and and did what he did there. And he really made his name at Wisconsin, but he was a good quarterback at NC State. So uh, as long as he's okay with being claimed by both, which Jalen Hurts has even said, you know, I I like being claimed by Oklahoma. I like being claimed by Alabama. I don't have a uh, a serious tie to either more than the other. Um, it's very different from, I say Jameson Williams is a guy, I mean, he graduated from Ohio State and then grad transferred to Alabama where he made a name for himself and get, became a first-round pick. But he says, I don't want to be associated with Ohio State. The fan base disowned me and the team disowned me when I left. So screw those guys. I'm an Alabama receiver. So it, it's very different. Like if Jalen Hurts came out and goes, I, I hate Alabama, Saban never never believed in me. You know, all the offensive coordinators were terrible to me. Uh, I'm an Oklahoma guy. Then I would think differently. But um, I do agree with you. And I am cutting off the Buffalo Bills, dude. I, I feel so bad for that fan base, but they can't get it done, man. Josh Allen in the big game every single year, biggest game of the season, cannot get it done. Um, and it's pretty consistent. I, I, dude, I, I really feel bad for them because I like the Bills. I love their fan base. They're a lot of fun. Um, but at this point, man, it, it, it started to get to the point where they're losing their – they're going to miss their window. Um, and if they do that, then they're in, they're in bad. I really thought after Hamlin's injury they'd rally and they wouldn't lose again, but they just – they quickly fell Look, off. Granted, you know, it was pouring down snow in that game against the Bengals. And I, I, but That's their thing. It's, it's, yeah, before it, but they were, yeah, exactly. It was a home game. I mean, they were playing the Bengals at home. Um, it's something they play in pretty much every single season, and they couldn't do anything. I mean, especially offensively. The Bengals just look way too good in the playoffs. Joe Burrow, he is just unbelievable when it comes to playoff football. So, uh, it poured one out for Joe Burrow also. That dude is incredible. Um, but, yeah, pretty much all NFL football right now. Chad, what you got for us? So I'm pouring one out for the state champions. As I talked about last week, younger brother was going up to Gainesville, Georgia, on Saturday afternoon to wrestle for a state championship, and by God, if they didn't bring one home with them. So absolutely, absolutely awesome for me and – my family and all the families and friends of everybody and all the kids on that on that team. Uh, really, really exciting. I love to see it. Like it was absolutely fantastic. I wasn't able to go, but I waited on I waited on him and my parents to get back and immediately met them with a bottle of champagne in my hands. So, you know, real, real exciting. Love to see it. It's the first team state championship of any sport in the history of our high school um like i said last week me and matt went to the same high school nothing happened when we were there my brother's a senior he graduates in three months and he gets to be one of the first ones to ever claim that really really awesome he got off the trophy or he got off the bus carrying the trophy and even did an interview on the news so really really cool to see pour one out for the south effingham mustangs wrestling team Georgia High School Association Class 6A State Wrestling Champions. And I am cutting off Valley Sports. Now, I don't know if this was their fault because they couldn't get a contract worked out or what the deal was, but if you're a Braves fan, and if you've been a Braves fan as long as I have been, I've been watching the Braves ever since I can remember. And that goes for watching them on TV and listening to them on the radio. And at some point, if you've done any of those things in the past, I don't know, 15 years, you've got to listen to Chip Carey 162 nights a year. And boy, is he, he's one of the best. And unfortunately, it was announced 
last night. He is moving on to be the lead broadcaster um, for the St. Louis Cardinals and their TV. Look, as far as Chip Carey goes, absolutely happy for him, thankful for him and all his time that he gave to the Atlanta Braves and their organization. And he's from St. Louis. His grandfather, Harry Carey, the famous Harry Carey, was a Cardinals broadcaster at one point. So really happy for him. But you got to cut off Bally. Like I said, I don't know if Bally dropped the ball or what the issue was or why we weren't able to retain him. But somebody's got to be blamed for it. And until all the details come out, I think Bally Sports has to be blamed. Man, Chip Carey has become a Braves icon. And I will absolutely, absolutely miss him when I watch the Braves games this year. His corny jokes were the worst, but they were also the best. And we will absolutely miss Chip Carey on Braves broadcast because I don't know if I can suffer through Brian Jordan every single night. (laughs) I really hope Ben Ingram gets it. I really do. Ben Ingram deserves it. He's been on the radio for a long time. I hope he gets the job. So I am cutting off Bally Sports. Keys, I don't know if you have one this week, but I'm tossing it to you. Yeah, I do. This week I am pouring one out for a former teammate of mine, Harrison Frost. Quarterback started off his career at Mercer University, transferred to West Georgia. Had a couple of uh, records while he was there, including the single-game passing yards record, the single-season passing record, and tie the school record for single-season passing touchdowns. Frostbite just got signed to the Seattle Sea Dragons of the XFL, so we get to see uh, one of our former classmates and teammates for Witt and I play in the XFL a little bit, so that'll be exciting. And I will be cutting off Dallas Cowboys kicker Brett Mayer. Probably, I can't believe none of you guys cut him off this week. I was just waiting for one of you to pick it up. Four missed extra points in a row. It's comical. It, you don't even know how that happens. And, and, you know, the team comes out and they're like, well, we stand behind him. You know, it happens. But we're, he's still our guy. And then the next game, he comes out and in warmups, he's just shanking in warmups. And the owner comes down and has to talk to him and, and kind of, you know, get his spirits up. And then he actually makes his, his fifth conversion there. So cutting off Brett Mayer for being an NFL kicker that can't kick. Did he actually his, his, his first att- his first attempt got blocked in the game, so he yeah. ended up missing five in a row. Even worse. Yeah, his first his first attempt got blocked. I don't blocked. think I don't think he's made one. He did. He finally he made, one. Made, no, he, he he made. He some made some field goals. Yeah. He made two field goals. Back, I don't think he made a point after. No, they never had another chance. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he went zero for five in two playoff games and point afters. He did, which is incredible. It's got to be a record too somewhere. But the what's crazy about it is is like. He's been a fairly consistent kicker throughout his career. He's a good kicker. Now, I've I think had him in he had like a, a historic years. season, <laughs> and then that. Hey, it's like Noah Ruggles from Ohio State. He was like 24 for 24 on the year or something like that and completely blew it. Kickers are weird, man. Kickers are weird. They make or break the game. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.